So I got Stephen Shakespeare with me today. Uh, this is the EricSwanRacing.com podcast, number 51, already over number 50. So it's April 17th, 2021, and uh, I'm just sitting here in my basement, and what's going on with you? Um, actually, today, yeah, to uh, have a little bit of fun, I came out to uh, Georgia and uh, able to get a couple of days in at uh, Road Atlanta before the start of the season, and uh, just, you know... I, I have a love-hate relationship with the track and didn't qualify here last year. It was the first time I came here, so I wanted to make sure that uh, I can re-familiarize myself with the track. Road Atlanta is one of my favorites. I've been there a couple times. I raced there in 2012, 2013, I think 2014. Maybe not 2012, I'm not sure. But uh, those, those span of years in that range. And uh, they used to have Gravity Cavity there that's no longer existing. Uh, they had a separate chicane down down the hill after that long back straightaway it used to be a, a different configuration uh but they changed mm -hmm. that so it's a little safer uh coming onto that main straightaway um but i hear that was a, a fun place to ride when it used to be gravity cavity i never got the chance i never got the chance to ride right there last year was the first time i've ever been there and uh it's 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 interesting to say the least turn one turn one and two and three and four all that first section of the track really was giving me problems and just i'd like to say trying to figure it out not but we're getting there we're, we're, we're making uh small small steps and hopefully we'll by the end of the weekend we'll have everything set up just the way it needs to be and uh for people who if don't i could know, just keep the front wheel on yeah, it's a lot of power. It's hard to keep that uh, wheelie down. Yeah, just it, it's it's hard. And, you know, uh, I was talking to a couple of other uh, the other guys that are out here and may need to just adjust my uh, rear brake lever up so it's easier to to get full um, full pressure on the brake as you're going um, through the turn and keep that front wheel um, nailed uh, to the ground, losing a lot of time as the traction control is keeping it in from um, when it's lifting up to stop me 12 o'clock. Uh, so what is, what do you think your ideal wheelie height is? Is there an optimal range? And I'm sure you don't have any uh, wheelie control on your bike. Uh, no, it does. It has, it has wheelie control. Um, again, optimal range would just be hovering a few inches above the ground. Um, anything more than that and you're just losing a ton of time and a, a ton of power see for people who don't know they always think drifting and wheelies are the coolest thing because they, they look cool but they don't actually make you go fast right i mean no by by all means i i i'm terrible at wheeling apart from when getting on the power apparently um but yeah it, it, they're fun for you know showing off and stunting and exhibitions but uh, as far as in, in a racetrack um, drifting the bike around I mean backing it into a corner is one thing drift, drift you know just drifting you're just losing time and losing power and can you explain backing it in for people who don't know not really <laughs> <laughs> so um when you're, you'll see when they when you hit when you hit the corner when you're you're going into a term um, you're, hard, you're hard on the front brake and you're pushing the bike out um, through the turn, leaning over and the back wheel gets really light and start to skip um, and push as you get back on the power out of the, uh, in, into the turn. It looks very, very cool. Um, and, uh, you know, usually when somebody does that in front of me, I, it costs me about three seconds a lap because my jaw just hits the, hits the floor as, or, or hits my tank as I'm going around and I'm like, Wow, that was really cool. Oh, oops, I need to get back going. Um, <laughs> and that's a combination of, you know, engine braking, rear brake, and front brake control. Yeah. And, and you know, modulating yeah. the clutch even, or blipping the throttle if you need to. Correct, yes. And, uh, and again, it's, 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 something, it's something that those really skilled guys do, and uh, the rest of us just aim to do that one day, maybe one time. <laughs> And so, but you're a pretty accomplished rider. You've been racing in uh, Moto America professional road racing now. And uh, tell me about your experience with that. 
Um, yeah, I've been doing that now for three years. Uh, we started off um, three years ago in the twins class and uh, we, we fielded a, a Ducati uh, 797 Monster. Um, it, was a great, it was a great bike, it was super built. Um, I think the hardest part for me was getting used to the um, was getting used to the tracks, and it was a bike that I'd never ridden before. But it, it seemed to be the entry class to to go in for somebody of uh, my age to be able to race Moto, Road America, um, Moto America. And then uh, we got to Utah, and I had my other my thousand with me. I'm like, is there anything stopping me from racing both bikes? And they said no. So. I started racing the uh, the R1, uh, which is a bike that I'm I feel I'm a lot more comfortable on, um, and it just it transitioned from there. We were you know we would I was doing better on the on the R1 than on the twin. I felt more comfortable, and so at the end of the first year, I decided that we weren't going to campaign the twin, especially with COVID and everything last year, and we just focused on doing uh, on the stock 1000, and you know. The great thing we're doing it two or three years is you get a good opportunity to ride um, on those tracks that you don't usually see. Club racing here in Texas, or in Texas, and we have you know tracks, four tracks, sorry, uh, New Orleans, Hallett, Houston, and Crescent, and that's it. So you don't get you don't get a large a large variety, and the majority of those tracks that we do race with Motor America, I haven't seen. And haven't seen in, you know, I, I haven't been to to any of them. So yeah, it was fun getting to, you know, getting to race and, and being able to qualify, and then, you know, um, getting those bucket list items to see those tracks that you know you usually you usually don't see. And traveling around and traveling across the country, and finding, uh, you know, in different areas and everything else. It's um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, being a full season entry, you get to you know be at a lot of different venues and learn learn the tracks like you're saying. So I'm sure that's very valuable for your for learning, you know, your knowledge base, your riding skill, all of that. Yeah, and re what really helps is riding with the these guys that are you know so much you know so much better. I can't remember where it was. I think I was at. Um, at Pittsburgh, and we're coming into the last couple of laps on, on the practice session, and um, Stefano Mesa just went by me and tapped his tail, and and gave me a tow around and gave me a tow around the track. I mean, that's the, that's the caliber of, of people that you're that you're dealing with. Everybody's you know wants to see everybody do better. Obviously, everybody has a very competitive spirit, um, but there's a there's a massive amount of camaraderie in the in the paddock. And that's what makes it, you know, so much, so much fun. Why do you think it's different than other sports? Because you don't get that in soccer or football or hockey that I've seen. I mean, your teammates will help you, but your, your competitors won't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up playing, um, playing football, soccer and uh, rugby. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a, that, that you know it's a team sport so your your camaraderie stays within your team and it's you and it's us against the wall kind of thing whereas you know what we're doing here on motorcycles number one it's extremely dangerous so the amount of, you know the amount of respect that each each person gains for, for anybody else that's out there on the track is um unparalleled uh, and number two i think i just i just think that you know it the, the type of person and the personality that it takes to, to do this and the money that it takes to be able to, you know, to be able to do this. Everybody knows that, you know, it's, it's not easy. So everybody's a lot more willing, you know, everybody's willing to help because they, most people have seen it where their back's been up against the wall. They understand what's, what the amount of cost and time involvement is. It's not something you can just do willy nilly and just say, Oh yeah, I'm going to start racing and just, do it tomorrow it's not how it works i thought that's how it was going to be when i started racing in 2015 <laughs> i was like oh, i'll just go out and buy a bike so i went out and bought a bike and it was like my uh, a buddy of mine turned around to me um and said 
in about three years, you're going to have multiple bikes, you'll have a truck, you'll have a trailer. At that time, I was pulling around my R1 on a Challenger. <laughs> I had I had a, a I had a little one bike trailer and I had a uh, I had a Dodge Challenger and the bike was being pulled behind on that. And he said, within three years, and he wasn't wrong. I've got two trailers, I've got several bikes, and uh, I have a 350 dually, which I never thought I'd. <laughs> you know, that's how I started. I, I started towing with a Pontiac Sunfire. I mean, it can be done. You don't need to have a truck, but it, it definitely helps. Yeah, it, it does. And as you, you know, doing track days and things like that and just enjoy and enjoying your bike is, is one. I think once you start racing, you can do it that way. But there's so much that goes on on a race weekend, so much more than on a track day. Everything's go, go, go. And you want to have things that are, you know, you want to have the convenience of being able to have, you know, parts in a trailer if anything goes wrong. Um, tools uh, canopies and just be able to haul everything and just be you know one of the biggest um, parts about what I found helped me with racing was just being relaxed and, and being relaxed at the track it's very difficult to do that it's not so bad to say on a, with a track day because nobody wins I, I win a bottle of water at the end of the at the end of the track day but um, for the actual race it's you know the race itself and, and the races I, I want I, I want that comfort level and, and to be relaxed and to know that I have everything at my fingertips so you know you kind of want to take your shop if it were as it were with you it's like a mobile garage kind of so to speak oh yeah you know tires wheels I, I look uh, I look around this one and just uh We've got everything, everything's in it that's is ready for us to uh, just pull the bikes out and be able to adjust and fix if necessary. Touch wood, so, we don't have to fix anything. So you're in your race trailer right now? Uh, this is this is my buddy's race trailer. Um, he's, uh, we, as uh, I, I was, I work in, in Phoenix in Scottsdale, and uh, I just flew out and he's kindly bought my bike out for me. Okay. So, um, what kind of trailer do you have? What's your setup look like? Uh, the team, the, the team, which, uh, is run by Monkey Moto North Texas Superbike. We, we just acquired a new 40 foot, um, gooseneck trailer. Uh, it's aluminum. I mean, and it literally has absolutely everything in it. Sleeping, there's sleeping quarters, uh, tools, space. You can put, six seven bikes in there if need be uh all the stuff that we need for, for the races canopies and i mean it's just it, it's decked out very very nicely that's awesome to have you know it's so valuable to to have those accommodations i was reading an article online uh a couple of days ago about the i think it was a mclaren f1 hospitality motorhome um have you heard about this they they take it takes them 17 semi trucks to deliver and compose this one motorhome. And they said, we're gonna reduce it. We're gonna you know, uh, downsize our footprint and it's only gonna take us eight or nine trucks now. I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess that's better. Eight or nine, eight or nine semis. I mean, so, yeah, eight that, or nine full, full semi truck loads of material. You know, I think that's the big difference. You know, Formula One and the, the amount of expenditure that they, that they have the amount of money that's uh, associated with it um, is is insane. Uh, you know what we do pales by comparison. But um, you know that you, you look at some of the bigger teams in, in Moto America, um, Yamaha, the the Suzukis of uh, the, the Hammer Racing and everything. I mean, they've got they they've all got semis and. And, and show up and you know they have a they have a, an extremely large footprint for motor america and, and you know what we've seen over the last three or four just the last three years since i've been racing motor america what i've seen is that the television audiences and the participation has um has not wavered it's in fact grown tenfold and you know so that's i think that's a good thing because I, I think we went through a stage with American road racing where it, it got a little stagnant, it got a little stale and it's nice to see it coming back to the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm hoping to, uh, to help that out with 
creating a podcast like this and you know i'm helping to buy selling products to uh to riders through my website so uh, i'm trying to contribute and I, I spend a lot of my money on racing myself so uh i definitely I, i'm i'm into the sport as you can tell <laughs> <laughs> so uh okay so yeah, I'm I'm not racing motorsports right now. I uh, I raced for uh, for about five years, but uh, I'm just trying to save my money and uh, getting into a 50 cc soon for some training. I think maybe a 150 cc dirt bike um, for some some dirt training, and then in a couple of years probably get back into some track days. And then I think I want to do the wear and national series and maybe the wear and endurance. And that uh, endurance series are always fun because you get a lot of seat time for not a whole hell of a lot of money and you get to share it and enjoy it with, you know, with, with friends. It's, it, it, it really is a, the, the endurance series are, are really a lot of fun. Um, I try and do as many of those as I can last year, the year before uh, we always ran endurance team this year, have, again, having moved out of uh, Texas, it's kind of hard for me to run in, in those, in, in that series. Um, and trying to focus on just this uh, Moto America for, for this year. So um, but, I wanted to uh, ask you, um, you said that you were going to Road Atlanta for, for a track day beforehand. Um, Moto, is it true Moto America lifted their testing ban so you can ride at any track at any time now? It's not any time. I believe it. You, you, it, you can't ride at the track a week before it's more, I think the stipulations are even a little bit more stringent for the top to anyone in the top 10. But uh, as far as riding the track, they lifted it. I think it's a week, a week before, unless it's actually a race event. Okay. Do you think that's a beneficial thing? Uh, I think so. Um, it's definitely, it definitely helps out the guys that, you know, aren't the fastest. And, and need that, you know, just that little bit of extra time to, 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 to even qualify. For example, last year we came here, I'd never been here before. Uh, the weather wasn't you know, 100% great and I definitely didn't know this track. And, you know, there's a lot of blind turns on this track. So if you don't know where you're going, it's, it's, a, little, uh, it's a little frightening to say the least. But, you know, I have to get my bike here, my team here. I have to get myself here and everything else and set up. and you have three sessions to be able to qualify, you know, and you have to qualify within 110% of the fastest guy in any session. And the fastest guy is usually so, bouncing off the lap record. Right. Cam Peterson wasn't exactly a slow coach. <laughs> oh, and so and, you actually have to qualify. Is it against the top guy in Superbike or is it the top guy in Stock 1000? So it's against the top guy in, in uh, stock 1000. So you have to be 110% of the top guy in any session in stock 1000. If you want to race in the Superbike Cup, uh, you have to qualify 108% of the fastest guy in the Superbike in the Superbike uh, in a Superbike qualifying session. So it's even tighter for the Superbikes. Yeah, it, it is. So again, that really that really helps because it, it's not cheap to come out here obviously bring everything out here bring everybody out here tires fuel food the whole nine yards so um if you've never been to the track before you only get you you get a you get qualifying one which is your first session qualifying two which is your second session and then you get a, a, a makeup um there's qualifying three which is basically a practice but they will allow you your time if you've you know, hit it by them. But if you've never seen the track before, it can become rather um, daunting. And again, last year we came here, we didn't qualify. We had to pack up and go home. Everybody still gets paid and it still, you know, it still costs that amount of money, but it, so it's very disappointing. So I think, you know, for the guys that, you know, I wouldn't say struggle to qualify, but uh, it, it gives them an opportunity to at least be a little bit more competitive and at least be able to come out and um, figure things out, get, get some things, you know, you're not threatening to win the race at, at that point. Although in, in the back of your mind, you're like, if only if, it's maybe, possible, you can win. it's possible, not anything's possible. Um, but it's, just, you know, I think it's, 
I, I think it's beneficial for, for that reason. It gives, you know, it just, it, it kind of evens the playing field. You know, if you don't race Wira, you've never raced, raced here and you're not racing on this part of the country, but you're traveling across the country to, you know, and they allow that. I think it actually opens up the door for people that, you know, maybe considering doing it and haven't because they're like, well, I'm not going to qualify because I've never been to that track. So at least this way they have the opportunity to come see the track a little bit before and then go ahead and, and you know, see where they fare when it comes, you know, where, where they fare in their, in their practice sessions and see if they're, they're close to being able to qualify. Absolutely. Um, you know, this brings to mind the, the concept or the idea of uh, simulator racing, sim racing, where um, it might not be a motorcycle that you're driving, um, but for me, I've, I've uh, since I've taken a step back from motorsports, uh, I bought a sim rig in my living room that I have hooked up to my PlayStation 4. And my buddy's got one hooked up his, to his computer that uh, he uses iRacing and some other games um, that you can purchase tracks like Road Atlanta and the local tracks and, and actually drive them with a car um, uh, with a lot of different cars to choose from, whether it's a Formula or GT3, GT2. Um, and so on. Um, so you can learn the tracks before you even get there. Do you do anything like that at this moment? Uh, yeah, I, I have an Xbox. I wouldn't say I have a, um, a simulator rig. My, a good friend of mine does. He's, he's all into that. In fact, he got so into it that he got so hooked that instead of buying any more upgrades for his simulator, he just went out and bought a race car. And I was <laughs> like, okay, just, but he uh so uh, in answer to your question yeah i i tried to use some of the games that have these these local tracks ride uh, ride three has a bunch of the um tracks that we race on uh, i think ride three or ride ride three or ride four i can't remember which which one it is it's, it's the newest the newest version and they have uh, a ton of the tracks that we race on so to get familiarized with the um with the tracks, yeah, we definitely turn the uh, Xbox on and try to get an idea of where the track's going to go. It was funny, I, I spent, uh, when we went to Indy last year, uh, I spent a bunch of time, I've downloaded all the track maps and uh, downloaded the video and was listening to the guys and they're talking and we get to the track and I look at the track and I see the first session out and I'm like, great they're all going in the opposite direction that I was studying. <laughs> yeah, they flipped it, didn't they? They flipped so, it one of those years. Yeah, so I was like, okay. Um, we'll just learn it as we go. But as, the yeah. more studying that you can do, the more familiarization that you can get with the track is, is definitely beneficial, which is, you know, the fact that they lifted, uh, pretty much lifted the, uh, the embargo on being able to, come to the tracks is 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 really helpful for me anyway for sure and uh do you think that uh race organizations maybe club racing like wera or ccs um should be going to bigger tracks like indy or coda and what is it a cost thing that they don't or it seems like such a waste of the best track in the country to not use it it's it's definitely a cost thing. Um, you know, going to the circuit of the Americas, even if you get a deal with them, it's still running thirty five, forty, maybe even fifty thousand dollars a day. Um, when you think about a club event, they're usually held over three days, at least the ones that I've been associated. CMRA is always three days: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they're in Texas. So, you know, being able to and the problem is, you know, when it comes to club racing, you have, if the weather's great and everything, that's that's wonderful. But at the hint of rain, all of a sudden, everybody back, you know, you've got people that start backing out. You'll have your dedicated, you know, diehard racers that don't care. Um, but it's definitely it's it's definitely not cost effective. Maybe if a couple of the organizations linked up together and did a uh, you know a championship series kind of like they do at, you know the gnf at barber yeah um that we're that we does uh 
maybe if uh, several organizations got together and, and could put it on, it might be cost effective to do. Um, if not, you know, maybe doesn't make make money, but maybe they, I think it would be fun if they could even just break even the, uh, the end of the day, writing that track is, is definitely, um, is definitely fun. And another thing is with somewhere like Circuit of the Americas, they're not too happy about letting people camp out there um, in the, in the parking lots or having, you know, having a race organization come out there and, you know, stay out there. They're, they, they're okay with track days organizations that might do it for, for a day or two, but to field a race event, um, I just don't think that they're that welcoming because of, you know, participation rates are not as high as they would be say for a track day. It's a bucket list at the end of the day. Then the race organization has to decide whether it's gonna up its prices to race at those tracks. Other, and then they're gonna have to maybe eat the cost to get that going. Right. So, so like I, a lot of know, hurdles. There's a lot of hurdles. I mean, you know, maybe if uh, Circuit of the Americas will come and, uh, you know, talk to the race organizations and, you know, maybe be beneficial for both parties, uh, get a lot more use out of the track. Yeah, create a new, uh, like a grand national final between the CCS and where combined a national combined uh yeah well i mean you national. could do it you could do, you could you could do it with ccs you could have c i mean you know when you when they run a track day from for coda you know uh, 316 track days you've got people coming from all over the country to, to go ride there they're bringing their bikes in. so nothing's stopping you from having you know uh, cmra ccs we're a, um uh, uh, the uh, the one that's in Arizona, the uh, Seiko, the ASRA, the ASRA. You know, maybe the Chuck Wallace series. Um, all of all of those groups, and just combine and have you know a national and have a national final. You have to have a certain amount of points to be able, not even you know. Just have been you just had to have competed in one of the, one of their events, and I mean that would open it up. The track's big enough to have a lot of bikes on the track, and I think that that way it would pay for itself. You have like 40, 50 bike grids. That'd be awesome. I don't know what the safety <laughs> measure would be, but I mean, you know, they could definitely do something. I mean, I don't you've know seen what, like I don't know 40 what bike grids at Daytona some years, right? Oh yeah, no, I mean it, it can it can definitely happen. It can definitely happen, and if they run a series of, you know, uh, of qualifying before you have the race, it could be, you know, I think it would be very beneficial. Again, you know, Moto America is kind of the same thing. You have riders from all over the country coming to compete in the, in that series, and we get to ride on some of the, you know, best tracks in the world. I I particularly prefer. I, I'm not a big fan of Coda. I think it's a much better car track than it is a, than it is a motorcycle track. Um, you know, Baba, Laguna Seca, um, here, Road Atlanta, Road America. I mean, all the tracks that we ride, uh, I think, have characteristics that are so, uh, far better um, than the Formula One track. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of super tight hairpin turns that aren't, I guess, motorcycle friendly, but you can do it. It's just difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can. You, you just have to look at uh, Marquez or right for sure um that's running around there in two minutes <laughs> um what do you think about a uh, a pro-am event like a uh, a moto america with uh, an amateur uh component at the same round i, I believe that I, I think they've tried that uh i i wasn't at at that i i do remember seeing that they used to run a weir around with the Motor America around. The problem is time. You know, when you're when you're in the the club racing scene, you want eight lap race, you want sprints, you want to get, you know, bang for your bucket, as it were. And you see, you know, when you come to the Motor America over a three-day period, we'll ride, you know, if we have two races that weekend, we'll get three practices or two qualifying a practice, a warm-up, 
and then she races. So quick. you know, how do you how do you fit in all the other classes, the three hundred class, you know, the four hundred class, six hundreds, lightweights, ultralight, et cetera, et cetera, twins, you know, what what have you? The, you know, usually when you go to a club race event, they have twenty or so races in, on the week on the on the Sunday and either an endurance race or you know, six or seven sprint races and an endurance race on the Saturday or if they're not doing any endurance, you know, they'll have 15, 15 races a day. Well, with the qualifying and everything from Motor America, there's no way that they can run it at the same time as a club event. There's too many classes going on. You, yeah, it's like you almost need separate weekends, and that's why they do it that way. <laughs> right. For sure. Um, I guess that's, you know. So is there anything? I was I... interested. At... Go ahead, yeah. No, I, w- I was interested when I was filling out the form about the about the interview, Eric. It, it was like it was asking what did what 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 was I prepared to talk about, and like it was motorbike racing and everything else. But I saw that on there that you also had trading, and I was like, well, okay, well, we'll get on. I'm going to ask him about that because uh, that's you know, I uh, I buy I I work for a company that sells gold for IRAs. And we uh, we provide people um, gold for their IRAs convert uh, IRAs over to a precious metals backed system. So, and I before I did that, I traded uh, foreign exchange and commodities. So I'm just uh, interested why why you had that on there. Was that or is that questions that pops up? Oh uh, yeah, it's. I always have questions on there, to, uh, looking to see what you wanted to talk about, so uh, we can get anything off of your chest. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so you're, what you're you a trader. Uh, I I dabble, I dabble a little. I used to be I used to be an interbank broker dealer in in the UK. Uh, I worked in Italy for a few years. Uh, basically, was an intermediary intermediary between uh, banks and trade derivatives and then uh, I traded um, commodities for several years and then I got into uh, working for the gold company and providing gold for retail clients and now we've opened up this IRA division but uh, I just wondered what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on precious metals and uh, the state of the uh, uh, the state of the economy and Bitcoin and everything you know, I think that um, precious metals are pretty interesting because you see that uh, they hold their value pretty well. Um, they don't tend to fluctuate cr- a crazy amount. Now, some some commodities do. Um, it depends what you get into. I think uh, lately cryptocurrency has been going crazy. The Dodge coin, everybody's talking about it. I even saw it in my news feed today on like a news, a, a real news channel. So like it's it's picking up a lot of steam. Um, I think that could be the next big thing. You know, I work in, I still have a day job. Um, like just like everybody else, I work a normal job and we work with aluminum. We do aluminum blanking. So we uh, stamp for different uh, automotive applications and aluminum is, is huge right now because all the manufacturers want to uh, reduce weight on their cars um, because it reduces your gas mileage um, it's just a lighter vehicle altogether, and um, it's it's replacing all the steel components that used to be in cars. So, um, I think it's an important industry. Do you think that that's going to be replaced with, uh, you know, when you look at the modern the modern day sports car and now even the modern day motorcycle, a lot of the uh, aluminium is being replaced by um, carbon fiber. You know, it definitely will be in certain applications, but carbon fiber is so expensive, it won't be on the standard uh, daily driver because it's cost prohibitive. It's it's way too much for the regular car, but for racing applications, sure, all day, it's it's way better. It's just how much do you want to spend? That's the old adage, right? <laughs> how fast do you want to go? How much do you want? How much you got? How fast do you want to go? How much do you want? Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that wholeheartedly. Um, so did you come from no, a racing I, I, family? No, no. In fact, my my parents look at me as if I'm absolutely crazy. Um, 
I started, I started, I've always had that competitive spirit. Um, whenever I get got behind the wheel of a car from 16, you know, from the moment I started driving, uh, I'm just have a heavy foot, you know, bad out of hell. Then I started, you know, then I started riding motorcycles in about 99, same thing. Uh, you know, how I didn't get more speeding tickets or even my license taken away, I have absolutely no idea. Um, and then it just progressed, I, I guess it just progressed, you know, always had that thrill with, with speed, but never really got into it. Um, and with it, we, I think I, I had some complications with my health and, uh, you know, family were, family were by the bedside and it was very, uh, you know, and it was very touch and go for, for a second. And, with, you know, with their help, I was able to, you know, able to great recover. And the first thing I said when I, when I got better was, I'm going to do a track day. And that was it. I got that. I literally got the bug. I've been riding for... 16 years never taken a bike on the track and my first track day actually was at coda okay awesome <laughs> and uh it just went from from there to you know where it where it, where it is right now which so, uh you know so how long did it take you to go from doing track days to uh your first race event I started in the middle of 2015, and when I started, I was like, oh, one day, one day I might be able to get to the advanced group. <laughs> you know, it's probably going to take me three, two, three years, and I'll, I'll be in the advanced group. That's what I was saying to myself. And I think by... fourth or fifth track day... Um, it, it was apparent that I could keep up with the people that were in the, the advanced group. And at the end of that year, I decided that, okay, well, we're going to, we're, we're not getting any younger, so we're going to go racing. And so rip I, off the bandaid. Just rip it off. I mean, see, it was literally six. It, it took me six months. I thought it was going to take me three years. It took me six months. And obviously, you know, that's where, that's where all the, uh, notoriety comes from that, well uh, and you've been riding for 16 years you said before you even got to the track so you knew how to ride a bike it's just it's a little different riding on the street versus racing around a, a racetrack yeah it, it is you have to you know there's a lot there's a lot to learn and i have to i have to keep telling myself you know if you were on the street you wouldn't let this guy pass you <laughs> right <laughs> but it it, it, it is it, there's different there's different etiquette um you know and it's about more than anything it's, it's about being safe but you saw um you saw the video right which one my the one that uh, of me in the mock race oh is that where you looped it yeah <laughs> you know i'm sure it's happened to a lot of people um it's not ideal though just, just never caught on camera Right. to be there and I went it was so fun we were at um we were at Indy and they started uh they started playing it uh Robbie Robbie put it up there he's like look at look at this and I'm like oh my god it was up on every single big screen I'm like okay it went viral the first time it happened back in 2015 and now you put it up there again <laughs> you had to relive that moment what was that like Just sheer announcement. You know, it's it was what had happened was being a typical male, I didn't read the instruction manual and uh, figured out. Look, this bike is extremely advanced. So if I have it clicked in there and it says launch control, it knows that the bike is standing still. All I do is I flick the throttle and then gently let out the clutch wrong <laughs> you can't just have it pinned and let out and dump the clutch well it wasn't a dump i was trying to let it out nice and slowly 
there, there's a button that you have to press that actually engages launch control, which ah. I didn't read on that that was what was required. So, um, yeah, all I got was bouncing off the rev limiter and then two seconds later, I'm sitting on my backside with the bike yeah, uh, up in the air. So, yeah, it was really... Uh, it's a learning it moment. A learning. It was a learning moment, let's put it like that. The uh, the instructor of the CMRA um, school came up to me and said, there is definitely something wrong with you. <laughs> well, you know, some people, um, some people learn the easy way, some people learn the hard way. I've always been one to learn the hard way a lot of the time. Um, sometimes you just have to go through it yourself. Somebody can tell you all day long, but... Sometimes you just got to do it yourself to learn from certain things. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was definitely, but I wouldn't say, you know, it was hard. It was, a, it was definitely a learning experience and it was very, very humbling. But at the same time, everybody's seen the video, so it's, it, it's kind of good on that part. Yeah. Um, it's always a conversation piece. It gives everybody a little bit of a laugh. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... I've seen it happen a couple times. Um, it's it's never good, but usually, usually uh, the good thing is the bike doesn't hit the rider most of the time. Well, that's why I was. I mean, my reaction time was on point. <laughs> <laughs> that light went and the bike was gone. I mean, there were people in front of me. Had they have moved, they would have been fine. <laughs> So do you enjoy or do you prefer to have the, the lights for a start or do you rather have the flags as a start? I, pre I, I prefer the lights. I like the lights. Yeah. It's more, uh, more even, you think? Yeah. And it gives me something, it gives something focused. When someone's holding a flag and it's like, uh, okay, when, you know, is that moving? Is it not moving? <laughs> it's, it's so much easier. When the light goes out, you go. It's, it's, it's definitely easier. And uh, have you ever, uh, aside from uh, the uh, the stunt you pulled, have you ever jumped a start? I uh, guess. Yeah, I, I, we, were, we were at a race and um, several people decided that it was taking long for the starter to turn out the lights and we all, we all went. Oh yeah, usually if one person goes, it's like a domino effect. One person goes, it's, it's like a domino effect. They, they just, all they did was they stopped, they red flagged the race, restarted, and when we restarted it, it was a lap short. Um, but, I mean, it, it's happened. Try not to. Uh, usually, you know, try to get pretty decent starts and become pretty um, consistent with, with that procedure. Uh, so, I think in all, in my racing career, apart from that one when they made us restart, I've only ever been penalized one other time and it was just you know the, I thought the light was gone it started moving and once the bike started moving it's like well I'm going to get docked how many however many seconds you might as well go for it at this point sure um and uh there's a new track on the schedule this year Brainerd out in Minnesota right yes you've been to that one yet yeah I have never been there I don't think many people have. I think the last time was like 16 years ago, maybe. I, I've, I've heard a lot about this track and, and I'm hoping to be able to get out there and maybe see it uh, one time, maybe two times before we actually race. Um, but again, trying to, try, trying to juggle work and, and a racing schedule, like, I have to get off to, to my colleagues uh, back in Phoenix because they're having to work today. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that they're, that they're strong enough to be able to hold the fort down while I'm not there. So, you know, I have to say kudos to them for giving me the opportunity to come, you know, come do this. But and juggling, a, juggling a, a career and a, uh, and a race schedule uh, becomes, it, it becomes very hectic. Oh, I can imagine. And uh, would you consider yourself a factory or a privateer rider? Oh, definitely a privateer rider. Do you, are there any factory riders in the in Moto America? Yeah, uh, you've got the Yamaha. Obviously, there's uh, Josh, Josh Heron, and um, 
and Jake Gagne, and then you've got Cam Peterson and Bobby Fong on Suzuki. Um, Honos have one. Uh, uh, Warhorse Ducati have one. I mean, they're they're pretty much factory the factory teams, and then every everything else is kind of privateer. I mean, there's some big privateer teams. You know, if you look at um, Anthony Ward, and you know. He, he, he travels around, I think, in two semis. Oh, wow. And uh, he, has, he has an amazing setup. You got Dave Anthony, who's, uh, who's been hey, doing that, it that's, that's what I meant. Sorry, I was thinking I was thinking Dave Anthony, not Anthony Ward. Bradley Ward was driving one of his semis. That's why. So I just mixed the two up. Yeah, Dave okay. Anthony. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. I was like, I didn't know he had semis. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. But yeah, that's uh, it's pretty cool that you see the progression and uh, all the different guys out there uh, figuring out a way to get to the track. I just uh, I hope I'm getting I can get out there soon uh, myself and uh, have some fun out there again. Uh, I know you know there are people that manage to that manage to do it. They they come out on uh, you've got to take your hat off to them because they come out you know with family members. They you know just be in a, in a van. They'll set up the They'll set up the tent, they'll live out of the van for the weekend, and then they, you know, throw everything back in and, and go home. I, you know, that's that really is commitment, just a, a love of racing to get out there and show what you can do, even when, you know, you don't have the, the, the support of the, of the big teams. It's commendable for sure. And uh, so is there anything on your mind you wanted to talk about today? I think you've covered everything, Eric. Um, it's been a, it's been phenomenal getting to talk to you. Um, uh, I'm gonna head back out to the track and uh, try and get these last sessions in. Okay. Well, I won't keep you if you wanna if you wanna get going, but I was gonna try to go for another 13 minutes, but it's up to you. Oh, we can. I don't have to be back out there until 2:30, um, so I've got 13 minutes for you. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we'll just try to keep it going here. We got a good flow. Um, I was just watching some MotoGP qualifying, Moto2, Moto3 this morning. Don't, don't. No spoilers. I won't, I won't say it, but it's, uh, it's an action-packed event, and it's exciting. I can't wait for the race tomorrow. Are they allowing, uh, are they allowing any spectators out there, or is it, is it no No, I don't think there's any fans at all. And even in my – I'm in Michigan, um, just north of Detroit, and they extended the stay-at-home orders and the mask mandate for another, I think, month and a half to I think it's May twenty-fourth. So it's keep it keeps on going. I, I'm not going to say anything political. I just don't. I I really don't think there's been that big of a difference between the states that have given, um, that have done away with the mask mandates and have allowed the, the the state to open up and those that haven't it stayed it stayed pretty consistent yeah so you know, i mean it's six to one half dozen the other and if it makes you feel you know if you feel safer then you know wear a mask and you know just be respectful of those people that are around you for sure that's some that's a i think the biggest thing is just be respectful it's just people are so on edge nowadays yeah, I know. Can you make it's horrible if you cough or sneeze, people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember the, it's the like start of the, bomb. <laughs> the start of the pandemic. I went to uh, I just went to the bar near my house and I had some spicy Mexican food. And you know, any anytime I have really spicy hot food, it makes your nose run. And so I was starting like, to cough a little bit, and the guy next to me was like looking looking at me like this and backing away. I was like relax it's I, the food i'm eating you know he's like why well, how do i know you know <laughs> how do i know it's like it's like you're carrying a hand grenade or you're exactly. about to de self-detonate here i am no no it's fine it's just a little tickle in my throat i promise you it's not yeah for sure so uh oh i think i might have lost your video there you still there there you go uh no it just it just uh, it just warned me that i have my batteries at 20 percent. okay yeah um so it'll probably still take me a week or two to edit and post this video. I think I have three or four in the queue. Um, and then, uh, but when I do, make sure you tag and share this with everybody that we talked about. Um, are there any- Oh, absolutely. Are there any crew members um, you wanna give some shout outs to? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't do it, we 
you definitely couldn't do it without, um, you know, the, the full support of um, my, my family. Um, they, they're, they're just absolutely phenomenal, the amount of support that they give me. Um, friends uh, around the country and the support that they, that they give me. Um, David Roy from AGV Sport and Monkey Moto. Nelson Gatto, uh, his uh, mechanic. Um, then obviously all of our sponsors, Valor Farm in, uh, up in Texas. Uh, they are a horse racing farm, but uh, they, they have helped the IM, uh, these Iron Ponies for the last three years. So we really appreciate uh, their involvement and them helping. Um, Dunlop, obviously, for the sticky tires, uh, Carbonin and Hustle Hard Racing for providing the bodywork this year, um, AGV Sports for our leathers, Blood Lubricants for um, the oil and keeping the bikes running smoothly, um, Evo Technologies, um, Steve's a, a master and really uh, does some amazing work and all, all the parts on the bike look phenomenal. Uh, Thank Yamaha for everything they do and providing a great uh, a great platform, and I think uh, Graves Motorsports for uh, the, the support that they provide, Woodcraft and Superbikes Unlimited. I think that's about everybody. So tell me about the Carbon and uh, Bodywork. I've heard that's a new brand that they're distributing now. Carbon and is um, has been around for several years. Um, they have two types of bodywork. One is Avio Fiber which is uh, very similar to uh, you know, what, what you see, but the durability, the fit is, is incredible. The way that the, the, the bodywork actually fits onto the bike is, is almost perfection. It's almost like it came from the factory. Um, they, they do some in, in incredible stuff, hustle hard, uh, have a great program that supports racers. Um, and they you know, they just provide phenomenal support and the body work is it really lasted, you know, it crashes really well, which is unfortunate to say, because no one wants to talk about crashes, but it does, the Avio fiber is, is very easily repaired um, and it's very, very strong. They, and they also have a carbon, a carbon fiber uh, body work for the super bikes, which is also um, phenomenal. That's probably pretty light in yeah. carbon fiber. Uh, yes, it, it is. It's very light, very strong, and uh, as it says, um, as Carbonin's logo says, they are dangerously sexy. <laughs> it is some dangerously sexy bodywork. There you go. Seems to be like a trend with bodywork and like hot bodies, as you know, girls on their packages. You know. <laughs> I mean, you're going to talk about the body. You might as well make it look, you know, make it make look it memorable. Good. But they do. They're, 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 as I say, all of their pieces fit very, very nicely. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the best bodywork that I've that I've put on the bike. And having crashed as many times as I have, uh, that's quite a few. I've I've had almost all different types of uh, of manufacturers, and this is by far uh, the highest performing of the best that we've seen. And uh, would you say that you're on your preferred bike manufacturer at the moment, or would you rather switch to a different bike? No, I've, I've, I've been riding Yamaha um, since, uh, actually I started out on a Kawasaki 600, but uh, I've, been, I, I've been riding the R1 since 2009, and I wouldn't swap in for any other bike. You're uh, brand loyal with them? Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's brand loyal um, I, because I, I have uh, I have other manufacturers' bikes. Um, I would just say, you know, when it comes to racing in this class, I wouldn't choose any other bike. Okay, that's a fair I, answer. I, you know, how I, I have a, it wouldn't be fair for me to say I'm brand loyal because, and then somebody sees me out on my, you know, on my Aprilia or something like that, and it's like, oh well, so you should do a brand loyal. <laughs> but when, when it comes to when it comes to the racing in this in this class, this is the bike that I feel most comfortable on. 
And then they're going to say, well, what kind of generator do you have? Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, of the, every application, you know, it doesn't always have to be the same brand your motorcycle is. Like I had a, I I had do, a Harbor I do Freight have generator. A I do have a Yamaha generator. Just well, there you go. They're way higher quality than Harbor Freight is. And quieter. Oh, you yeah. Know. That's a big thing. Those, uh, that's, you know, Harbor Freight, you, as long as you have it with a 200 foot cord, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with it. It does exactly the same job, but uh, you, you want to keep it at a distance. So, uh, number one, you can get some sleep at night and still keep the air conditioning on. And number two, you don't annoy everybody else that's around you and give everyone a headache. For sure. So, are you sleeping in your trailer now or are you sleeping in like a motorhome? Uh, no, actually, I'm. I, I stay in a hotel. I'll, I'll get a hotel and then buy some traffic. That's the way to do it. That's the way to get the real rest, right? Well, I, you know, it's it's hard enough going to sleep the, the night before uh, practice or the night before a race. You've got everything going through your mind. You know, is everything safe? Why did I do everything? You know, am I gonna? How am I gonna ride tomorrow? So there's a, you know. The apprehension, the excitement. So, in a in a trailer, you know, when you've got the the sounds of the the track around you and everything, or even in a motor, I just I, I struggle to 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 rest. And, and so, being able to just go and be away from the from the track for for a second, just to be able to get that you know relaxation and that peace of mind before. And to get myself right, uh, it's just hard doing it in a in a confined environment such as a trailer or a motorhome, whereas a hotel, you know, at least spread out. That makes sense. Um, so, uh, tell me about your twenty twenty one plans. You're going to be hitting all the rounds this year. Uh, yes, we're going to be hitting all the rounds this year, starting in two weeks at Atlanta. Um, uh, the, the goal uh, this year is to try to be as competitive as, as we possibly can and start picking away at the, uh, the top, you know, in, in picking away into the top 10. That would be, you know, I think that would be a realistic goal uh, and something, something to definitely strive for, you know, get, try to get on the same level as Jeffrey Perth or, or Woolastip or John Dunn, some, some of those guys that, you know, are constantly battling for the, for the, for a top 10 place. It would be, you know, I think that's got to be the goal for us this season. And, you know, who knows what can happen after that. You get a good start or get, you know, the bike course really comfortable and then you don't know what you're capable of doing, but we'll start with small, you know, small milestones. And when we, when we start hitting those, then we can look a little bit further and a little bit, dream a little bit bigger. Very good, and I'm sure it's still doing some track days and maybe some uh, amateur stuff for testing along the way. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I want to give a big shout out to the track day organizers that uh, uh, that I that I work for. Um, there's two of them. The first one is 316 Track Days. Uh, they run an impeccable track day. Uh, if if you read their reviews the number of coaches to riders, the, the fact that they keep their, their track days to minimum participants so the tracks are never crowded, the red flags and the, the, you know, the safety record is beyond reproach. And then the same goes for sport rider coaching, which coaches out of Eagles Canyon, uh, which is a, a absolute, uh, that's, uh, I have a membership there. It's an absolute beautiful track. It was just resurfaced. Uh, it got resurfaced by the same people that did uh, Barber, and it is a phenomenal, a phenomenal facility. So if you ever get the opportunity to, you know, go out to uh, that track, definitely hit up Jim Duggar and ask uh, and, and ask him to show you the way around with Sport Rider Coaching. They're two phenomenal uh, organizations. Very cool. Um, all right. Well. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up here. That's our hour mark. So thank you so much for coming on, talking with me on the EricSwanRacing.com podcast. I think it's number 51. 
And uh, I'll get this edited and posted in a week or two, and uh, I'll be sure to tag you in it. I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks so much, buddy. You have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Have fun at the track. Cheers. Bye-bye.